Welcome to another edition of the Mad Cat Movie Review Podcast. I'm your host, CL. This is Sean. Derek. And today we got a special guest. I got my homie, Wally Hippolito from the Off The Stoop Podcast. What's going on, Wally? What's good, CL? What's good, Sean? What's good, Derek? How y'all doing? I'm good, bro. Appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is, uh, I mean, I just want to put it off the bat. This is like one of my most favorite movies ever this probably started off my love for chris tucker and like it didn't come with deaf comedy jam it didn't come with the stand-ups it it definitely started with this and it just rolled through so as while we just teed up right there today we are doing money talks absolutely has to be an all-time favorite amongst the crowd Real quick, guys, I guess, you know, Wiley just said he he's a big Chris Tucker fan. Sean, Derek, I, I guess I'll start with you, Sean. Like, what's your relationship with Chris Tucker coming into this movie? I first saw Chris Tucker on Def Comedy Jam, and not too long after that, we all saw him as Smokey and Friday. And look, man, if that didn't get you, I don't know what could have got you. Just seeing him shine in that movie, all I wanted for this dude was for him to blow up. Like, yo. This dude about to blow up like Eddie Murphy. I see it in him. He he mm. he has franchises written all over him. So, and I guess I would say, you know, even before Friday, he was in House Party 3. That was his first movie. Uh, had a brief cameo in that, you know, even seeing him in Dead Presidents. But Friday is definitely when he shined. And, yo, know, you just knew that the sky was the limit from there. And Money Talks, I believe, was his first vehicle. And I thought it was the perfect first movie to kind of set the stage for him. And then we all know what happened after that from Money Talks. It went rush hour. And yeah, I know we'll get into a little bit of more of his career later. But yeah, man, I was I was a fan from Jump when I saw Chris Tucker's first stand up on Def Comedy Jam. Yeah, I'm pretty much going to echo what Sean said. I got on him from Def Comedy Jam and been a, was a fan ever since, you know, all his movies and everything like that. For me, he was on a level where it was he had the strength of if he was in it, I was at least going to watch it. Like it, it was just that that level. You know, I looked at him kind of like I look at The Rock or Kevin Hart, like just the, off the strength of them being in something. I'm at least going to put eyeballs on it. So my experience is a, a tad bit different because I didn't really have access to Def Comedy Jam. Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually know Chris Tucker except for the guy that I seen in a few music videos. And so when I see him in Friday, of course, I, I, you know, like fell in love with with what he brought to the screen. And so the first time I actually seen Money Talks and Friday was probably years after they were first released, but somehow I still watched them in sequential order. And so Money Talks is probably the, the first time I ever was like, like Sean said, you think this guy is going to become a superstar? 
this movie is directed by Brett Ratner, and this is his directorial debut. Let's talk about the other star of the movie, Charlie Sheen. So real quick, was there anything about Charlie Sheen that made you look forward to watching this movie? Uh, Wally, I'll start with you. I had no idea who Charlie Sheen was. And the only reason I watched this movie was because of Chris Tucker, really. This movie, it came out before The Fifth Element. And I know you guys remember that Chris Tucker had like a hilarious like couple minutes in that movie. And when I saw the poster for Money Talks, I thought to myself, oh, my God, like this dude has his own movie. He's going to be fucking hilarious. As far as Charlie Sheen goes, uh, I only know him from all the shit that he's been through the last couple of years and that show Two and a Half Men. But uh, before that and this movie, it's like, you know, what else, really? For me, the first time I saw Charlie Sheen was in was in Major League. It was Ricky... Wild thing, Vaughn or whatever, yeah. dude with the glasses who yeah. got a killer arm but can't see for shit. <laughs> you know, so that was the first time I ever saw him. So I knew he had he had it in him to be funny. Like I seen him in a couple of things. Like obviously there was that, and then I think there was uh, like Hot Shots. It was like a spoof Rambo or something like that. Mine is pretty much the same. You know, I did see him first in Major League. One thing that Derek said about the glasses, one thing that he left out was it wasn't just the glasses. It was the glasses plus him coming out the wild thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, first time I saw him was in Major League. And then after Major League, I actually uh, went back and was exposed to his uh, brief appearance on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, from there, I, you know, I saw a few other things. So I was definitely familiar with Charlie Sheen. I wasn't an overtop fan of him, but I know if he was in a movie, he could deliver, especially being that straight guy, 100% drawn to the movie because of Chris Tucker. But with Charlie Sheen in it, I felt that that was going to be a good pairing. Let's talk about this movie, guys. I'm ready. Like, I, I, I've been trying to hold it in. Because... <laughs> so... I guess we're going to start with the synopsis for this movie. And so it brings James, who was played by Charlie Sheen, he's a reporter, to try to bring Franklin, who was played by Chris Tucker, to justice. But instead of that happening while Franklin is being taken to jail, Franklin gets out of jail by having a bus explode and being taken along by some French henchmen. Police actually pursue Franklin, mistakenly thinking he's killed several officers. And I don't like how they word this. They call him the fugitive, turns to James for help. Figuring he has stumbled upon the story of a lifetime, the journalist agrees to prove that Franklin is innocent. Unfortunately, things don't go smoothly, and both of the men find themselves on the run. We get into this movie. Franklin is driving this nice car to none other than Barry White, which is the soundtrack for this entire movie. And we see he's meeting with someone at the L.A. Coliseum, you know, who turns out to be the uh, the board operator. Get some tickets to Phantom of the Opera. Fuck culture. <laughs> Black people don't want to see that shit. <laughs> Yo, I don't care what anybody say. This is the greatest fucking opening to a movie ever. Now, we ain't, I don't want to hear nothing about, you know, no fighting scenes, no dialogue, no emotion, no, no shit like this. This shit was just pure... Comedy. This is one. This is my favorite movie opening ever. You you got Chris Tucker coming on screen in this car. Once the movie starts, I'm like, are you about to start this movie on Barry White? I'm like, I'm all, you're already pulling me in. And then when 
Chris Tucker is singing along with Barry White. Oh, like uh, the ad lib. Like I yeah. cannot, I cannot watch this movie straight through. Like once the movie starts, I literally like this morning when I woke up and watched this movie, I played that opening scene four times before I moved on. Damn. Like. You, you got yo. It's just Committed. it's just so great, yo. I, I I don't know a better opening to a movie than Chris Tucker in this car ad libbing to Barry White. Like if you ain't never got in your car and put this song up and ad lib to this song like Chris Tucker, you're not living life right. Get in your car right now and do it. Go do it now. Pause the podcast. Go, go, go do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. ride around the block. <laughs> and, and go back home but do it actually to keep it real the first time i saw this movie was the first time i heard that barry white song and it became one of my favorite songs ever off the strength of chris rock going in i'm not chris rock chris tucker going in on the joint like that like now i'll just be like randomly i won't even be thinking about the movie and i'll just be walking around the house humming it just singing it mm-hmm. or ad-libbing that joint to my girl saying some stupid shit <laughs> you know fooling around with it so when we meet Franklin, I'm gonna try to call him Franklin. We perceive him as to being a player almost. You know, he's driving this nice car. You know, even though he got the tank top on, we just maybe think he he living, you know, ghetto fabulous, as he would say. You know, he's got the tickets, he's doing his thing, and then he pulls back up at the car wash. And then <laughs> reality sets in. What have you been with my car? You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude's probably been going for like two and a half hours. Man, I've been looking for you. Where, were you, where you at? And then just takes off, you know, gets back to his job. Go ahead, Sean. Yo, my man had a whole operation. At the beginning of the movie, we see him, you know, meet with Roland to pick up the tickets. He gets back to the car wash and not only is he handing out, well, not handing out, but, you know, selling tickets to the patrons of the car wash. Y'all see these other workers walking around with boxes and shit? They make car washing supplies. <laughs> they got a whole operation going inside that car wash and here comes you know james the reporter you know trying trying to fuck it all up no i gotta say i was mad at mad as hell at charlie sheen for that bullshit oh the car wash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that man had a nice easy hustle and nobody getting hurt really at the end of the day, they get the tickets they want. They ain't got to pay an arm and a leg. My man get to, you know, do his hustle with some of his finest hoes living ghetto fabulous as he was talk- as he was retelling the story to my boy in jail. You know, he's doing his thing. <laughs> Let that man live. So Franklin is a whole nother level of hustler that I don't think James was even aware of because he's an investigative reporter. He's out here trying to get a story and get this guy busted and trying to be there on the scene, like having an interview before the bus. And of course, when he tries to get Franklin for the interview, Franklin absolutely disrespects what an interview actually is. Because my man says, don't tell me how to talk. (laughs) You want to interview me? (laughs) He said, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm a bitch. I'm a businessman. I'm just trying to come up. Fuck you talking about? (laughs) That whole exchange, that chemistry and that exchange between them two, that seems so legit. It was perfect. And before he even gets anything accomplished on camera, 
Franklin is already in a car with somebody that he uh, definitely owes some money to. <laughs> and of course, before he gets out of the car good, he's arrested. Ten or nine, help a brother out. I got $5 for you. <laughs> he, <laughs> said five, five, <laughs> he said $5. <laughs> Yo, it was smooth. The way when the cop came up to him to ask him who he was, and he just like seamlessly like, oh no, they buried him up the street, like whatever. <laughs> like just seamlessly, like without missing a beat. That was smooth right there. So of course, Franklin has to go to jail and he comes <laughs> in contact with none other than Faison Love, which I think might be what top three scenes in the movie. I'm just going to declare it right now. Um, top. You put it at the top? Definitely. I put it at the top, bro. That scene in re and revisiting that scene had me rolling for like five, 10 minutes. Just like you guys had to replay the Barry White, I had to redo that scene like five to 10 times. It, it just, it gets better. Just the fact that that wasn't scripted, yep. that was just all them. It just shows like the mastery mm -hmm. that, that Chris Tucker has as a comedian. And it really showed how good his acting chops were, especially with his first big movie. Him and Faison Love. You yeah. Know? I, I, you know, yeah. I've always been on this thing about Faison Love being highly underrated. You Absolutely. know, like, like Wally said, that wasn't in the script at all. Like Faison Love ended up in this movie <laughs> just by coming to visit Chris Tucker on set one day. They, they just happened to be chilling and they were already filming the jail scene that day. And Chris Tucker's like, yo, let's do this. Him and Faison get together and they work it out. And it's one of our memorable, like Wally said, you know, if it's not your top one, you know, it's gotta be top three for you in this movie. It's, it's impossible not to be. I'm gonna tell you what, like, I got to disagree with you on the phase on love being underrated because I don't think he's funny, but really? really, really. But this is the funniest I have ever seen him. I will say that scene is the funniest I've ever seen him in his entire career. I'll take it's the that. one time I could say, yo, this dude made me literally LOL. Like I literally laughed out loud because of him. <laughs> I can't let no shit like that slide talk about he underrated. Underrated is reserved for special talent. <laughs> not a special talent. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm a, we're going to stop the podcast for a hot second. So <laughs> I think when, when Sean says he's underrated, I think what he means is he's underutilized. You know, people do not use Faison Love enough in things where you might need a little either comic relief or even something like he probably could start in a few more movies if, you know, you tried some shit. But nobody will go ahead and give it that thing. I know he... He's got one, the uh, the action movie on Netflix. Um, God damn, what's the name of that shit? Don't do it. Don't don't, don't tell do me it. talk. Don't tell me you talking action about action movie on Netflix. He has an action movie on Netflix. Uh, don't tell me you talking about Bulletproof too. That shit, look, bro. <laughs> I feel like it was mishandled. Like on paper, <laughs> mishandled. Like it was mishandled. This, this, this is went, what I was talking about. You How went, you gotta make excuses? You, you if I went, gotta make excuses for you. No. <laughs> they, no, no, I could you no. Know, as much as I'm a supporter of Faison Love, like I don't like those movies where they take the original cast. Well, they do a sequel without the original cast. Like right. Faison, how you go from Damon Wayans to Faison Love? How you go from Adam Sandler to this no-name white dude? Like I don't even know who he is. That was a miss. What I mean is that's not but the I thing get you. you put Faison in. Like, yeah, no, that's, not, that's not it, you know, but I feel like if somebody would just give enough leeway to somebody like Faison Love, you may be able to get something better. You know what I'm saying? Like we just, he doesn't get used enough in Hollywood, period. 
my favorite line in the scene is, he was touching you like that? (laughs) (laughs) From the back? From the back? Oh, oh. Oh, they put their hands on you? How they do it? Like this? Like like this? No, nah, no, nah, man, stop playing. Get off me. Get off me. <laughs> like Derek was saying earlier, like how fluid he Chris Tucker was when he talks. It's like he just keeps going and going. And he didn't even notice, bro, had his shirt off. And then, you know, he ends the scene on like, hey, man, where your shirt at? Man, where your shirt? <laughs> Bye, sweetness. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, Franklin is handcuffed to Frenchie on the transport bus. And Franklin decides to do his Scarface impression, followed by fun. <laughs> followed by a Michael Jackson impression. And then we see that the guards, of course, unknowingly to Franklin and everybody else, they're, you know, setting everything up, got the bomb on the bus. And as soon as they hit a certain point, it's blown up in half. They get off the bus. They jump on the helicopter and this is where Franklin finds out about the $15 million. And then of course he pushes them and then jumps out the water. Chris was all over the place in this scene. He should have known, yo, if this, if these dudes set up this elaborate of a prison break, I might want to be cautious with what I say, especially when I know that they can speak English. You know, they, they understanding what you're saying. And to this dude's face, you dissing him saying, Let, let's split it three ways. And, <laughs> and, and you're you going to tell Frenchie he getting the small amount because he's tripping. You ain't made shit, bro. <laughs> Can we get on my boy Chris in that same scene when they made it on the chopper acting like he was all part of the play? Yeah. Like, right. Everybody yeah. all right? Everybody all right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you start giving the kisses and shit. Franklin, you know, he... he I take him as the person who doesn't think until the danger is right in his face. And, and we see it not just in that space, but in you know, the next later, and yeah, in the very next scene, like, dude, granted, you didn't plan an escape from prison murdering cops, but you're going to be associated. You have to think that they're not just going to assume that you're dead, but you just going to randomly just sit your butt down in a random restaurant to eat like go to your girl's house <laughs> and hide out there like do something like with the handcuff on yeah with the handcuff on just chilling on the table for everybody to see you know even later on when we go to pop's house fuck it i'm going to see my girl fuck what you got going on but then when you saw those cop cars rolling by it was like oh shit i did break out of prison let me turn around of course franklin gets away from the police on the back of the bus and on the back of the bus, he gets the idea to call James and James on his way out. He gets the call from Franklin. James grabs a gun to go to this meet. And as soon as he gets there, what good was that gun going to do? If somebody could just push you in the water. I was more so expecting Franklin to swole off on him. Let me go ahead and tag you in your jaw real quick for getting me arrested. You know, so to me, he got off kind of light getting pushed into the water. The whole reason they, they even begin this partnership is because Franklin wants to prove his innocence. The way that we're going to prove the innocence is on Monday, which is a whole weekend later, to get him to an exclusive interview that's going to tell his story and why he's innocent. Anybody feel like that might not be a good idea? Well, so from my journalism background, I understand how serious something like Sweeps Weeks is. Really? You know, so I can I can get the 
wanting to wait the weekend. So I really didn't have a problem with that. If that's going to be your movie reason, then that was a bad road to go down. Because if you're going to wait to do that exclusive interview, then you do nothing that weekend. Like if it's real life, you do nothing that weekend. You stay your ass in that apartment, both of y'all. So let's get to this glorious scene, this rehearsal dinner. James is hiding Franklin at his wedding for the weekend. Or so he thinks. Of course, they pull up to the party and the (laughs) father-in-law opens the door. And after they get into it, of course, you know, he's supposed to be like, you know, Jim Smith or whatever he said, Michael Smith, whatever. And of course, (laughs) he says, I'm Vic Damone, Jr. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> from his second marriage right you it's victim mode it's, it's a half you, you're half and half right yeah yeah, yeah. see it i, I see it. oh he's man like, I <laughs> Yo, the fact that he couldn't say you're half black even back then that shit caught me he's like so you're half, you're half Italian. <laughs> And then even Vic Damone and Diane Carroll wasn't even married that long to have a son Chris Tucker's age Vic Damone Jr. now meeting the family and we meet the mother-in-law who's so skeptical from the moment she meets Franklin and does never let it go. And of course, you know, they're mingling throughout the, the party. They ask him, what does he do for a living? It devolves into ticket scalping. Which way of y'all would have went? Would y'all have had like a backstory or would y'all have just tried to send it in a misdirection? Well, I mean, James was already trying to give him a backstory, but he wasn't fucking with it. You know, James gave him a name and he was like, fuck it, Victim Old Jr. They asked what he did for a living. James jumped out there and said sales. And the mom was like, you know, on the stock. He was like, seats. I feel like the dad, Paul Soyavano, he just took everything as a damn joke. So he just let that roll off. But I don't think with Franklin character, you weren't going to give him a story. You give him a story, but he wasn't going to follow it. James is just there to catch it and smooth it over (laughs) so nobody suspects anything. I'm thinking if I was in that situation, I probably would have just did what what Franklin did in that case and just stuck as close to the truth as possible. Because I know for me, when it started getting into stories and everything, I started losing track. So it's easier to just stick as close to the truth as possible. Weave a little bit of lie or fabrication up in that joint. So, yeah, I would have gone that route. Yeah, I got to go with Derek on this one. I mean, these people aren't going to you again. You might as well give them a good story to, to leave the house with, right? True. And when you got the gift of gab like that, you can pretty much talk your way out of you anything. bullshit like, yourself. Yeah. Because, <laughs> bruh, he bullshitted the hell out of that whole damn house on that toast except for one person. And I became a fan of the mom. The mom was already suspecting bullshit when he dropped them lyrics. And she was like, isn't that Barry White? Yo, I was like, like, yo, mom down for the shit. I was like, mom, mom has some chocolate in her past. She only been with the husband. So he was my first, my last married thing. He's like, he's my first. Ah, baby, you've been with something before. She took a vacation at some point. She his first, his last, but not his middle. You know what I mean? Like, not the second. He wasn't everything. He didn't show up and everything. Like, right before we walk in the house, it's like, yo, don't say nothing about my fiance's weight. As soon as he gets up in there, 
You're fat. Fat. P H A T. Pretty hot and I'm stunned by your fatness. <laughs> oh, my girl was asking me about that too. And I was trying it's to tell her, like, is that what the acronym always stood for? I was like, I'm not sure, but I know that after this movie, that's what it always stood for. Yeah. After the after thing this- about it, I don't think I knew a meaning for it. I knew how to before. use it. Yeah, I knew how to use it, but didn't yeah. know what it stood for before Money Talks. But definitely, I agree with you, Harry. After Money Talks, yes, fat stands for pretty hot and tender. Yeah, I hadn't heard that word in Money Talks up. And then the next time I heard it was probably baby fat, which I'm pretty sure it means the same thing, right? But those are the only two times in my life that I've heard, I've heard fat, P-H-A-T. The fat farm that Tim has had all as well. That's where I, I first really knew all that. Now, when they do get to his girl house and she explains to, or he explains to her, this is my white friend. You from, I was like, oh, you from the Channel 5 News. Uh, while they're in the apartment, of course, it's being watched. They see the light come on and police raid the place, bust down the door and Franklin and James jump out the back and get away. And this is probably the what the third time that Franklin has escaped from police custody. So <laughs> they escaped from the police and they got to the red camel. Now, I think this might be like my second or fourth favorite scene, depending on what day it is. Once he goes in and they try to get to the inside the club. And of course, James is like, let me get this and and flashes his press badge and says, I'm the investigative reporter. I mean, I think you I think y'all hit it on the head earlier when um, when they were at the dock and he and he had the gun, he had the piece on him and he just got thrown into the water. He doesn't he's not aware of his surroundings. He he's a lot like Franklin and he's just in his own world. And I that might be easy to say, but it's it's one of those things where he's so focused on just getting the task done and keeping this dude alive for the sake of his career. He He's like, okay, just because I'm pressed, I know I'm going to get into this club. Like, we're good. We're legit. Not realizing, like like you said, CEO, this is a club. Don't nobody want them in here. What the fuck? You, what business do you have at a nightclub, you know? No club, especially if they – no club, period wants to hear that an investigative reporter is, a, is knocking on the door. But of course, once everybody comes out, they see Frenchie or the other henchman and they try to, like, how would y'all describe that? Engage with them? How would y'all describe this interaction when they get up with my mans? When they get, when they get together with, with Frenchie and the henchman? Yeah. Uh, I feel like that was a poor attempt at telling people. Right. You know, I don't think it was an interaction. I think you're trying to tell somebody and you did a piss poor job because, I mean, I just expected them to know that they were being followed. And that's what we find out. We get the, we get the, we get the actual interaction in the convenience store, which then in turns has Franklin and James's face on the newspaper first thing in the morning. Once they escape Frenchie and the henchmen, they go meet my man, Aaron. You, you want to talk about, uh, my, my bad to lose your, you want to talk about underrated or, or underutilized Michael Wright. Eddie King. Eddie King. Eddie King. <laughs> that, that, is the, that is his most notorious one. I was going to say a la Eddie, but you, you hit it, Sean. So yes, Aaron has the guts. 
So I love the fact that the password to get in to meet Aaron is where did Big Brush get shot? In the ass. In the ass. <laughs> <laughs> now, fast forward, you know, they, they finally figure out who the John Doe was of Frenchie. They get his name and his rap sheet out there. And of course, we figure out like things might be a little bit different than we thought. You know, Heather Locklear finds out that James and Franklin are wanted for the shooting. And then that's, of course, when we get to the breakfast scene. And my man show up in the same suits from the night before. James already introduced him as a friend for college. Ain't seen him for a while. Probably out most of the night. Not something that I think they would question openly. If anybody was going to call him on it, it would be the mom. But the mom was so annoyed by uh, Franklin for other shit. She wasn't trying to go for that. Uh, James going to see his fiance and Franklin senses the opportunity while he's going to go talk to the fiance to get with the father-in-law. Now it's not apparent what he's actually doing, but once he knows what the, like what everything needs to be, he starts plucking people off. So first is James. The second thing was the piss off, the the mother-in-law by calling her the mistress got gets rid of her and he's like man she always like that yeah man like total sale job just to get my man's by himself so they could talk about the wedding talk about the gifts and then tell them you know what they really want they want a dope ride no no we don't do dope around here Like, nah, man, a ride. He convinces him to go to this auction to get a European sports car, which is the Jaguar that they're looking for. I'll say in in regards to the talking and everything, the, the part that I liked about it was, well, I thought it was funny how when the guy, he was talking about wanted, we want a dope ride, and he thinks he's taking by like talking about taking a trip, you know, doing some drugs and taking a trip. I like how they played the white guys not understanding the slang. So there's mm-hmm. that part about we don't do drugs. And then early in the movie where Charlie Sheen's like finally fed up with him, he's like, it's like a G-Dog on the fly tip. <laughs> <laughs> what the like, fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> the, the way they they kept, they kind of went back to that a couple, like throughout the movie. That, that joint was funny to me. So that's what that reminded me of right there. I didn't think about the manipulation in the aspect of it around everybody else. My main focus was just on the pop, was on pops and how he, I was like, no, you're not going to fall for this, right? Not on day, not even day two, just like hour 15 of it all. Uh, we are at the auction. Of course, they're, the Red Jaguar comes up. They get into the bidding match, the stare down, the back and forth, the taking aim. And I like the, the auctioneer commenting on all the gestures that they're doing. I thought that was pretty fly. <laughs> James shows up and, of course, delivers that, that classic line that Derek was uh, referencing to. He gets away in the car, figures out there's $15 million in diamonds underneath the glove box or in the glove box, somewhere hidden inside the car. And the first person he talks to is his girl. And he tells her and shows her these diamonds. And she's like, this, this feels wrong. This is right. This is right. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get no right. Would have been my response. The whole um, sequence going forward basically gets us to the ending scene of them being at the the Coliseum. You know, the parents find out about your boy being killers on the news. 
so on and so forth. They call them off. I feel like some of this stuff wasn't really needed. They didn't have to show us them, you know, getting upset. It could have just been more action shit, if you would ask me. I think for the dad, the dad needed it. Because okay. all the earlier stuff made him look completely airheaded. Mm. You know? So just for him to finally have the knowledge that, okay, now I know that this dude isn't who he said he was and get some type of reaction to that. I think for any of those characters, he's the one that needed that. Now they did do a serviceable job by setting up the end plot, which is by getting James taken. The whole thing is like kill Franklin and get the diamonds. And they were using my man James as a bargaining chip. I kind of figured that he was going to go to the Coliseum. So when he tells everybody meet him at the Coliseum, not only does he tell Frenchie, he tells the goons he owes the money to, he leaves Aaron a voicemail, and he also calls the police. What do you guys think of, of Franklin's planning up to this point? I think that in the scene was just him, his way of getting everybody on his turf to a place where he is comfortable with and then a, ho- a hope that he can get James back. And at the same time, everybody around them everybody around him will kind of take care of each other. Yeah, uh, same. Like I, I think it, especially he wanted to make sure he got Carmine out of the picture because he knew Carmine was going to be an issue for him even after all this was settled. So I think there was a, he specifically had some plan for Carmine and the French dude. Everybody else was just extra. Man, I just think about savvy of a dude he is and like how he didn't really progress as a person at all. How he kind of <laughs> just used all his wits and it just all came into this um into the coliseum he didn't know if that was really gonna pop off he didn't know if it was really gonna happen they could have done them execution style and the cops may have not showed up if it weren't for the insider and they that could have been that could have been the end of franklin's character and and james so when we get to the point that it seems like it's about to end for franklin of course my man aaron shows up with the RPG, tell my man to hold his sucker. Honestly, it's 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 an ending sequence that kind of pulls you back in. Like we we know how Franklin thinks throughout the movie, so you know I don't even really expect him to think something all the way through. But at the same time, he wasn't in a position to think something entirely all the way through. It's like yo, let's get everybody to a place that I'm familiar with. Let me put my pieces together. Let me get Aaron in there. Let me get rolling to. Uh, control the booth and you know call the cops let the cops see what's about to happen happen like Derek said hopefully Carmine will get knocked off in this process and yo it was just fun you know Franklin is, is on his own in some space in some spaces uh, he gets caught by Carmine uh, in another space we get a couple of points where he kind of breaks in and goes on camp camera hey Frenchy Frenchy Bonjour, motherfucker. You know, <laughs> we get some some messages on the loud screen. Uh, all in all, I think the action sequence at the at the end was pretty good. You know, I like the whole diversion of holding up um, the diamonds. To me, I don't think they shot him. My man has been through so much to get these diamonds. He ain't taking no chance that maybe you shoot Franklin and the diamonds still go all over the place. But if we feel like we got him cornered and he's surrendering, we can go up there, get the diamonds, and hell, probably shoot him in the head right after, right after that shit. 
But hell, bro wasn't getting that far anyway because whether that whether James was dead or alive, as soon as my man got into that helicopter, he was blown up, diamonds or not. Yeah, I think the ending sequence was really fun. I just love that how they were they were using practical sets, and I mean apparently they paid for the Coliseum to fuck it up. Like it, no, there's nothing nothing wrong on my end. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the ending. Honestly, it was still it was funny to down to the very end the movie. You know, solid ending with the with the grenades blowing up the helicopter and everything. That guy getting his just desserts and all that. Yeah, I actually I liked it. I liked it. Fr- Frenchie went out the way he should have. Screaming you know, like a bitch. You know, we, we got him in the helicopter at the beginning. My man went out at the helicopter at the end. You know, like Derek said, screaming like a bitch. He deserved that shit. You know, ta-ta, Frenchie. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, just fast forwarding a little bit. Glad that it kind of wrapped up with, hey, James got his. You know, it was a little earlier than he wanted it to be. But, hey, with all the violence, you really couldn't help it. You know, he got his story. Franklin got his shine. My man didn't really say much in the interview. It's like, hey, I told y'all motherfuckers I ain't did it. <laughs> What's up, mama? Paul, I love you too. I'm gonna be back at the car wash. Do he own the car wash? Does he manage the car wash? Because my man just said everything was half off, didn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, who, who, who gave him authorization to do hey, that? I, I feel like he was the he was the assistant manager, but then you know, manager just blows off all the time. So basically he runs it. I, I just love how like uh how the end of this movie is and it just it go, it just propels Chris Tucker into the rush hour series and it, you kind of just see the the chemistry between him and Jackie Chan and what Charlie Sheen and uh and Chris Tucker had. It's it is really dope to see in the coming years. How'd y'all feel about that last that last scene? That was cool. You know, it was cool. Would you have done that? Would you have ended it differently? I feel like you could have did something else to end the movie. You didn't have to end it on James's wedding. But at the same time, I think that just kind of gave us a little bit more of the chemistry and the relationship between, uh, I almost called him Jackie Chan. (laughs) 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 They did everything. Uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, Between... Charlie Sheen and Chris Tucker, Franklin and James being in that situation. Uh, it, was, it was a little fun to me and happy to see that Pops had a, had a good moment. Seemed like he was cool. He recovered. So, yeah, he recovered. He was <laughs> at the end. He gave that little satisfying look. You know, I thought he would have came off with a couple more diamonds, man, knowing who Franklin was throughout the movie. But I guess that's the spin of it all. Right. Mm hmm. Two diamond, one for him and one one for James and one for Franklin. I thought maybe he would have came off with maybe like four or five more. Take him and his baby mama somewhere out of the city for a while and just kind of rebuild the new life. We never know. He he might have pocketed but, some. But some that's money. that. I, I think I'm talking. I think I'm talking money talks too again. That <laughs> that's on me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he he kept some of them diamonds. You know, because there's no way, given his character, that he gave his only diamond to to this dude. There's no way, you know, you gave him one because he had he had one to spare. He wouldn't miss it. That's the only reason mm-hmm. I think that, that that was probably about 10 percent of what was kept. Yeah, uh, I hope yeah. so. I really hope so. Isn't there some type of law in some spaces about finder fees? Yeah, like te- 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 technically, he found him diamonds. Mm. So if he if there's some law, I remember seeing and the first time I ever was aware of something like that was when I saw the movie Bait. Oh, man. Jamie, yeah. 
one of Jamie Foxx's early movies and also included diamonds. And at the end of the movie, Jamie Foxx's character, somebody said something to him that kind of jogged his memory. It was like, oh, I know where Buddy kept the diamonds. Call the cops. Say, hey, diamonds in the Bronx Zoo. Which, in his terms, meant they were at Yankee Stadium. Mm. And because of the law, Jamie Foxx was entitled to some of the diamonds. Even the cop would say it was like, yo, get 10%. That's, yo. Of course, that would have never happened in this. Whatever, (laughs) whatever Franklin has, he took. Nobody gave him. Like, that's obvious. Like, where does this go as far as the use of Chris Tucker in movies? So is this the best use of Chris Tucker in a movie? It's hard for me to say because, you know, this is his first movie in the starring role. Like, he's not the top of the bill in Friday. He's second, but that's Ice Cube's movie. Mm -hmm. Money Talks was his first. And then Rush Hour was his. But, but, you know, you look at a different movie poster, some of them got Jackie Chan first, some of them got Chris Tucker first. So this might be the only movie that he has in his career that this is Chris Tucker's film. This is where you got to see Chris Tucker really control what's around him. He he got to put his influence 100% in it. Whereas on Friday, even on Rush Hour, you know, you have to give a little bit in some of those spaces, especially with the Jackie Chan, especially with the Ice Cube. But if you talk about usage and over, you know, an hour, hour and 30 minutes, I would have to say, yeah, this is probably the best one because this is where you get the most Chris Tucker. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say this is the best usage of him just because, I mean, Friday's a close second, but we saw with the Friday sequels that he could be replaced in those. I don't see you being able to replace him in this. Like we saw Cat Williams able to bring the same funny. Mike Epps was able to bring the funny. And you missed Chris Tucker because of the nostalgia, but you wanted to see the him, his funny interact with the new his replacements funny. That was why you missed him. But with this, I can't really see anybody else doing it. So yeah, this is probably the best use of him. For me, it has to be Rush Hour 2. Because although you know Rush Hour 2 was in China. It had that control that Sean was talking about from Chris Tucker's and as far as, you know, the kind of comedy that you want to happen in that type of movie. So I think this I think this was a really good use of Chris Tucker and his talents. But I think for me personally, Rush Hour 2 is his best, most complete work. Man, I guess that we could kind of end it on there and we can we can get into the awards. Do we need to do an award? (laughs) We'll definitely get it on record. (laughs) So y'all know how we do it. Based off of personal enjoyment, we give each film that we review an award based off that enjoyment. If we love a film, if it's one of our favorite movies, we hook it up with the Image Award. If we think it's good, not great, we go down the line, give it a Soul Train Award. So the movie is average to us, so-so, we'll give it a Source Award. Or we blowing that shit up like Frenchie. We don't like it at all. We'll give it a BET award. So I'm gonna kick it over to our guest, Wally. You up first, bro. Money Talks, '97. Chris Tucker. Which sorry, which one is the first award? Which one is the the most honorable? It that is the Image Award. 
the image award, I'm gonna have to give it the image award. I I'm gonna go off what you guys said that it 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 kind of it basically not basically it showed us the type of actor that Chris Tucker could be and should be going into his later career. Like I said at the beginning of this, I didn't get Def Jam Chris Tucker. Like I got Money Talks and then I got Friday. So th this for me was such a great jumping off point for him as opposed to, you know, Element where he really got to hone in on his own and be the focus of the movie. I, I got to give it the image award. Derek, what you got? I mean, I don't feel like there's much I can add to it. I'm going <laughs> to give it an image award. I mean, it speaks for itself. I mean, it's classic. See him? Some of you, bro. This is an absolute image award winner. This is probably an underrated all-time movie. And if we're looking at what we appreciate about Chris Tucker, it's like you kind of had to get that man like, you know, maybe not an Oscar, but you got to give him his flowers for this shit right here. I'm just going to top it off. Wally, what we didn't share is that if all the hosts give the movie uh, Image Award, that movie goes into the Madcap Movie Review Podcast Hall of Fame. So nice. we three have already given it a Image Award, and I'm just going to cap it off and welcome Money Talks to Madcap Movie Review Hall of Fame, joining Coming to America, New Jack City. And don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. This gets an image award for me. To me, this is the true coming out party for Chris Tucker. I think Friday was more of an introduction to people. Not a lot of people saw Def Jam. You know, not a lot of people remember that he was in House Party 3. I see Friday as that introduction. I see some of those other movies as, you know, we, we sprinkle Sprinkle a little Chris Tucker on you. You know, this is the talent that he got. But then we get Money Talks and we see a vehicle of him by himself. And we see what Chris Tucker is really capable of in Money Talks. So it's a movie like Money Talks that gets Chris Tucker the opportunity to have his first franchise like Rush Hour. Fun movie. Like I said before, I don't want nobody to debate me. This movie had the best intro ever. Nothing's going to beat <laughs> him in the car, ad-libbing to Barry Light, hands down. And, yo, it's just a fun movie. You know, we can get up here and nitpick about stuff that makes sense, that don't make sense. Uh, but the awards ain't about specifics and shit like that. We It's pure entertainment and personal enjoyment and Yo, I literally was about to send a message in our group chat um, before I got sidetracked this morning and just tell y'all, it's like, yo, this movie just makes me happy. Yeah. And I'm glad that we're doing it. And I think that's the perfect thing that I can say to kind of wrap it up. Money Talks makes me happy. It's something that, you know, Derek holds up. Yo, I'm not giving image awards out unless it's something that I can watch over and over any day and that's what money talks is truly to me something that i can watch anytime any day and it truly makes me happy i know there's only